You're listening to Incorporating Superpowers with the Voice of Reason, risk mitigation expert and former counterintelligence agent, Justin Reckla. Get ready to rip apart the veil as we dismantle old school business and prepare for what comes next. Business will never be the same. Welcome to another episode of Incorporating Superpowers. My guest today is Kobe K. Kobe uh, is a filmmaker, an author, best-selling author. Uh, his audiobook's getting ready to come out. But what we're here to talk about today is really his his passion mission, and that's that is a life worth living. Uh, and it's all about mental health and and teen suicide prevention. And and I've known Kobe for for quite some long time. He, he's family to us. He gave our daughter a shot on stage. He took a gamble on her when she was seven years old and put her on his stage. Um, and it's just created this very unique brotherhood and bond between Colby and our family. And I'm just honored to continue to be a part of that journey, Colby. Um, thank you so much for being on the show today. My brother, I am honored, my man. I'm going to take these glasses off so you can see people can see my squinty eyes. It's not so, I don't look so cool like I'm at the beach. Hey, the, um, as we get started, my man, I, I just want to tell you how honored I am to, uh, to be on today's show and, and just to spend a couple minutes with you and, and to talk to your audience. So thank you so much for having me on. Well, you know, the, the, the path that you're walking is, is one that, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I've known you from back when you were doing the supplements. You had a huge, huge, you know, the, what was what, the, I always see is the monkey. Healthy primate. Healthy primate, okay. You created healthy primate. It blew up, and you got. I, I just seen and watched your entire journey with healthy primate to meltdown in the desert to the work that you're doing now. Um, which, in my opinion, I think your journey, everything that you've done, has led you to this because you've got this God-given ability to create stories, share stories and deliver it in such a way that it has an impact. Um, so talk to me a little bit more about a life worth living. Tell me about what, what is it and, and why did you start it? You got it, my dude. So the, um, if I have to walk around here in a minute, I will. So I'm in the house now working from the house and you know, for people that are watching this, we're in the middle of a kind of a media frenzy pandemic called the coronavirus. No man is safe, no women or children. <laughs> so my house is in the middle of a, it's like where I live there in the, I'm in a huge construction zone where they're digging out internet. I live by Zion National Park, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere, but in the middle of somewhere beautiful. So I'm gonna walk here so you don't hear all this construction noise. The uh, A Life Worth Living. When you look at this, I've been creating films since I was 16. I'm 44 and it started with me making skateboard movies and I've always been into the creative side of things, right? And I don't know, it was in 2018, I went through a really nasty divorce and had to reset, which seems to kind of be the, the case, right? It's, I found myself, walked away from a job in a film studio, um, separated, didn't have my kids with me, and I was trying to find purpose. You know, just going to get a job was not something that I was like super excited to do. And I was trying to find something that would give me drive. And I was sitting at the house. Um, it's about a year later. And I'm at the house. 
and um, you know, I'm, I'm recently remarried, right? So my wife, her oldest daughter is uh, 17 and asked if we had seen a Facebook Live where a student in her class had ended his life. And I said, no. And like, I'm not interested in seeing that either. Yeah. And she goes, no, 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 it's not him doing it. It's his manifesto of why he was doing it. And I still said, no, like I'm not interested. That year, there were 12, 12 kids, the ages from 17 down to 11 that decided to end their life. And I don't live in a big place, Justin. I live in a place, it's, you know, it's Washington County is our, our school district. And I heard there was an 11 year old kid who hung himself. And I was like, what's going on? Like, this just doesn't make sense to me. Well, that and doesn't make sense to a I lot of people. Decided well, I decided to dig into it, man. Um, I, I decided to grab a camera and start talking to people. And what I found out was this is a nationwide epidemic. It's not a it's not an epidemic that's happening just in where I am. That we're looking at, you know, over seventy five percent of kids that are ages eighteen to down to almost eight eight years old are are out there struggling and have thought about or have even tried to go through the act of ending their life through suicide. So I, I started kind of traveling around the U.S., man, interviewing experts and, and kids and families and communities that were impacted. And instead of focusing so much on why, you know, the, the, the stories of the kids that have gone through with it, it's talking about what are people doing to prevent that and giving kids reasons to choose life first. So, yeah, that's, uh, that turned into a nonprofit to um, raise money to help families that are struggling or families that are kind of going through that or kids that need to get therapy. Um, and we've partnered with a handful of, you know, world-renowned therapists and therapy programs to really bring help to families that are that are struggling and, and kids that just want some answers. This is um, <clears throat> for those of you that are listening to this. This is um, this is something that we tend to not want to look at. Like Colby said, you know, he didn't want to look at this at at the beginning. Didn't want to didn't want to read about it. Didn't want to even look at it. And it, it's because it, it's hard. It, it, it reflects back to us of knowing that we could probably do more to help other people, but we don't want to look at it. And uh, Kobe, before we go on break, um, I, where can people go find more information about the organization? Life worth living today.org. Life worth living today.org. Go take a look at Kobe's mission and what they're doing in the lives they're saving. This is not just some small undertaking. I continue to watch this project grow and, and build momentum, and uh, it's having an impact. Go take a look. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts, and we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. 
Welcome back to Incorporating Superpowers. My guest today is Colby Kay, and today we are talking about a life worth living. Um, this is something, Colby. I, I, I don't. This is something that I, I don't know if I've shared, but um, I, I love the fact that you're doing what you're doing because I, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, um, by the time I was 18, 19 years old, uh, I had lost something like 15 friends to some sort of violence, some sort of, you know, suicide, all sorts of different types of tragedies. And so, you know, the ones that I could justify of, you know, car accident, okay, that made sense in my head, right? And there was just a lot of death when I was a kid. But the ones that like the suicides, I just, I never understood because you have people in your life. There are, there are that, can reach out and can help you and, and so forth. And there's just not enough of us in the world out there that are doing that today. You know, that's, that's why superpower experts exist is it's a broadcast mechanism to say, yo, quit buying into the soup of social media, quit buying into the bullshit that's out there. And then when you boil that, boil that down to to kids, it, it's unexcusable, completely unexcusable that we don't have teachers that aren't catching it earlier, that we don't have leadership in other organizations that are identifying it earlier because it is preventable. It can stop from happening. So I'm going to ask you, Kobe, what is, out of all the stuff that you've been doing and working on, what, what is the biggest thing that you see as a the contributing factor to teen suicide today? That's a heavy question, man. I, I, it's, it's a couple things, right? The, there's not one thing, but I can tell you that there are groups of things, right? So I've, I've met with over 250 kids in the last year and a half. And you're talking about, we have substance abuse. You've got peer pressure. You've got um, social status, like you're just trying to fit in. You know, when I was growing up, when we were growing up, if I had beef at school, it ended at school when I went home. Now we have a, a device where I'm 24 hours a day, I'm, I can be under attack. The continued ability for self-worth, you know, people just are not finding self-worth. Um, substance abuse and mental health, man, mental health, you know, it's, it's not every kid is the same. They're always, it's always different. And, you know, one of the things that I struggle with is, you know, how do you not catch it? I can tell you that a lot of these families are really involved and are really like heavily influenced. They're heavily part of what their kids are doing from an influence perspective. Nobody saw it coming. It's like, you just don't know. It's like, you know, one thing happens and it, it, it ends. The goal for me is not to solve it. The goal for me is to provide more avenues for positivity for kids to choose living. And if it's living just one more day, then to me, that's fine. If it was just one more day. You know, the, the flip side of this is I've worked with a lot of clinicians and a lot of, a, a lot of doctors that specialize in mental health, specifically in teens. And there's a story that I'll share with you that, um, let me, I'll just share it with you. The, <laughs> we, our, our kids right now, so let me flip it and let me ask it like this. Let me say it like this. So your son or daughter comes to you and says, listen, I'm thinking about ending my life. Like I just can't go on. And what happens? Well, we tell them, no, don't do that. No, it's, um, that's not a good idea. 
we tell them to suppress those feelings. Well, what if I tell you that I think suicide is actually a good idea? Let me explain. Something has driven me to the fact where I feel a specific certain way. And this might be the only time and the first time in my entire life that I actually feel alive. And you're telling me that those feelings are not valid. Maybe I embrace those feelings and suicide is actually the suicide of the feelings and the thoughts that got you to where you are. And we welcome a rebirth of sorts into what the new you should look like. So killing off those old ideologies and those old think ways of thinking, let's kill those off and let's move forward in the positive ways that we can, but embrace and, and, and letting our kids know that every, all those feelings are okay, dude. All those feelings are okay. Confusion and loss and depression and anger and happy and sad. I mean, you have those feelings all in the same 10 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's being able to embrace it. And I think being participating in, in paying attention, man, you know, even as parents, I mean, you look around, we went to, we went out to dinner the other night. I looked around and I don't think I saw one parent that wasn't on their phone. It's like, everybody's on their phones. Like we're so fucking disconnected right now, dude, that I just, it, it's one of those things where, you know, having that connection is a really, really big deal. And you got to be paying attention, but embracing the feelings and letting the kids know that they're okay, not shunning those feelings, I think is extremely important. Yeah, that's, you know, that's we, uh, I mean, you've met Neva. She, you see how emotionally intelligent she is and she's able to express that. I mean, to us, there's nothing more important in life than, than that. And I, I think in these situations, when the kids come to that recognition, you know, they recognize that they've got these feelings and they want it in their life it's really easy for parents who aren't in touch with their own emotions, right? It's quickly, it quickly becomes uh, don't do that. Not because it's bad for you, but because I don't want to have to suffer the consequences myself. That's right. right? Rather That's than right. addressing the addressing the, rather than addressing the child's pain and with understanding and integrating those emotions. Right. And, and feeding that connection. I mean, you just hit it right there on the head right there. Everybody's everybody's doing this at dinner time, right? Even sitting around watching TV, everybody's doing this, and it, it it doesn't work, and it leads to disconnection. And when youngsters come into the fact that they realize they're human and they've got these things called emotions, they don't know what to do with it because the rest of the world's checked out. That's right. You know, it's an interesting time. You know, another thing that you'll see. So, you know, if I were to boil it into categories, you've got substance abuse, you've got depression, you do have mental health. Like there's definitely without a doubt, there's mental health things going on. You've got bullying. You've got some part of this is actually it's cool for people before it was never an option. Now people see it's an option. So they do it for attention, believe it or not. Um, and one of the last things that would, would be, um, I don't want to say dysmorphia, maybe confusion, like sexual confusion. You know, not knowing, you know, am I gay or am I not? Like, well, I don't know. Like, so there's, you know, not, there's a, there's a, a piece there. And I think as parents and, and just as adults, we have to understand, you know, how to love and be compassionate. Um, enabling bad behaviors or, or destructive behaviors aren't good. But I think being able to understand and listen, even if it's not something we totally don't understand, I think it's that compassion part. I think we live in a, in a me too society where it's, it's about me and that selfishness takes over even in our own families. It's more, you know, it's more about me than about we. Yeah. And you know, like I said, you know, the whole mission here, man, is to find as many people and as many, you know, the, the social constructs are interesting. 
I've interviewed multimillionaire families in, in Colorado. They've got one of the highest suicide rates in the nation. Why? Well, you think, right what are those rich kids got? Like, what are those rich kids doing? Like, yeah, I grew <laughs> up with a mattress on the floor and I'm here. What are you doing, you assholes? And you look at it and it's from, you know, the, the very elite wealthy families in Colorado down to the inner cities of Los Angeles. It, it's, it, it doesn't matter. The social constructs of it are everybody's looking for belonging. Everybody's looking for a place to fit in. And I think at the end of the day, our youth just don't feel like there's that connection, even though we're so connected with devices, we're not finding that personal connection. Yeah, well, and that's because that's the, the, the personal devices can only keep our minds occupied. The, the connection that we're really seeking is that energetic heart space connection of this is real. Yes, it's not fictitious. Yes, you feel it. And knowing that you can connect with other people in that energetic heart space is something that the mind can never hold because the mind is too small to hold that energetic container. Um, I agree. Uh, uh, so uh, let me ask, what's what, what what kind of solutions is the is the organization creating to provide that next day to get them to the next just one day at a time? What what, what is it? So, I think a couple things, right? Um, first and foremost, showcasing by you know living by example, and and showcasing you know things that are going on in areas where there are positive outlets. You know whether it's we partnered with the Woodward organization, which they do. Um, action sports camps. So they built a they built a huge program out here in in Park City, Utah, where it's snowboarding, skateboarding, parkour, gymnastics, inline, like a ton of stuff. And met with you know Tony Hawk and and Travis Pastrana and talked about you know the you know head injuries in action sports is huge. Suicide rates among those athletes is huge because they're getting you know huge concussions all the time. So how do they use sports to you know get through that? All the way to um, we partnered with a group. His name is Dr. Uh, Daniel Amen of the Amen Clinics, A-M-E-N, like Amen. And they have a really unique brain scan system where they can actually go in and detect depression and anxiety and panic. And through a series of treatment, natural treatments and therapy, you can get through that. And then we go to the extreme. You know, there's um, a handful of wilderness programs that I work with here in Southern Utah where they'll take these kids that have technology or sex addictions and put them out in the mountains for almost a year. I mean, living off the land, I mean, you know, they, they do have food and water and that stuff's brought into them, but it's, you know, they're, they're digging latrines. They, they move as a unit. It's almost like a military in a sense where, you know, you get up each morning and you have to, you, you have to decide if you're going to roll your gear up and if you're going to pack your stuff up or if you're going to clean your pot out after you had your breakfast, it's nobody's doing that for you. Mom and dad are coming to save you. And then introducing therapy on top of that, I, like the right kinds of therapy. It's, you know, it's kind of a hybrid approach of showing people, A, there are things going on in your, in your environments that are worth living. And there's B, there's people doing good things out there for therapeutic help too. Yeah, I, that, that last one, um, I, you, you remove technology, you bring it back down to strict survivability. And oh, by the way, you're part of a team. So it's not just about you anymore, but you not doing your part carries weight for this person over here. We, we've lost that in because there's it, we've got this entitlement mentality that's come across us. You know, those that are entrepreneurs see it how it works, right? But for the most part, as a society, that's been lost. I mean, that, the, the military, Tony and I, both Army, we get it, right? Been there. Those, that's, it doesn't matter. You're connected. And what I love about that is, is those programs are creating ways to say, hey, the rest of the world, fuck the rest of the world. 
you got 12 people that are dependent on you. You got to play your part. You got to check out. That's right. The, the connection that's created in that space is huge. Well, they call it a developmental, a developmental vacation is what my, one of my mentors, his name's Doc Dan. Doc Dan came up with that terminology and we all have it. You know, all of us revert to a series of traumas that we experienced. And that's kind of the level, that's the, the playing field that we address relationships. Um, we address health. We address ourselves. Our own self-talk comes from some type of trauma that we experienced at some point in our life that we haven't fully addressed. Yeah. And what this does, you know, in these, th these types of therapeutic experience, they're exper experiential therapy where you take all of those things away and it strips you down and gets you to a point where you can actually be receptive of the right therapy. I mean, it's controversial. It's not for everybody, but it's like in some cases I've seen it work tremendously well with some, some cases that um, are very harsh, man. They're, they're kids that, the the word repugnant comes up on the activities that these kids have done. Um, and you find out it's stuff that was done to them and it's a cycle. So how do you break those cycles of abuse? Right. It's, it's all trauma, man. It's all trauma. We're all dealing with our own traumas and it's how we decide to address them. Um, if we decide to address them and, and when we decide to wake up, you know, how much better of a person can we be for ourselves and those around us? And I've just chosen to go after youth as my target market because I've got eight kids that I'm responsible for. <laughs> almost nine, almost nine, right? I mean, I choke up too, Justin. I get it. I, get it. You know, I'm set, I got more than a, I got a basketball team. I got a football team. I don't know, man. I'm setting up franchises. But for me, it's, you know, I've got kids that are 20, Zion's 20, all the way down. We have a newborn coming any day now. And it's like, I got them every, every age. So my goal and objective is to find as many of these kids that I can that are struggling and, and give them a little bit of hope, man. Let them know they're not broken. I, I embrace them. And, uh, you know, let's cry. Let's hug. Let's, let's whatever, man. Let's have fun. Let's, let, you know, let's live. And let them know from a kid that was in those positions who grew up as an adult who still struggles with those thoughts that we're human and they're not broken. Um, I think by accepting our kids for whoever the hell they are, as long as they're not hurting themselves and other people, like, you know, we've got to, we, we have to start leading with compassion versus judgment. And I just, I don't know, I don't know how to change that other than just instilling it in our kids, man, and hope that they can carry it on when we're not here. Well, you, you change it by being that because it gives permission to others to do exactly the same. And that's what I see with the brilliance of, of your organization is doing is that you are being that you're leading with your heart, you're leading with compassion and you're showing others like, I get it, man. It's just, the, it's this goatee thing. It's the pirate look, right? People have this expectation that, you know, we're going to be these big, brutally pound our chest, fuck you, stick it to your face type of guys. And, and, and you're out there doing the exact opposite. You're saying, no, love more, hug more, care more, cry more, get fucking real put down the goddamn phone and connect. Uh, permission is a big deal. Permission is a big deal, dude. And uh, I'll, I'll give you another story is, you know, I, my parents got divorced when I was 13. Um, I wasn't abused as a kid. I came from a pretty good background or back. Well, at least my parents loved me. They, um, they loved each other. And then when they got divorced, my dad worked 16 hours a day and I was left alone. What's a teenager going to do? You know, most of the stuff that I've gone through have been, it's been self-inflicted, 100% of it. Like, I don't blame anybody. Like, the shit that I've been through, I've been through. I put myself through it. I don't ever remember a time, dude, where my parents sat me down to talk to me about the divorce. 
like and what that meant. So as a father who went through a divorce with three young kids, the I remember the first time I saw my kids, I hadn't seen them in three months. And, you know, I, I was involved in everything. You know, I coached every sport. I took my kids. I worked from the house. So I was always involved in everything every day. To go from that involved to no involvement was heartbreaking for me. I mean, it was heartbreaking. And the first time I got my kids together, we sat down on the couch and I started crying. And I asked them, I said, how do you feel? I said, and they just, they don't, you know, the kids at that point are ages uh, nine, seven, and three. And they don't know. And I, I, we started going through the emotions. Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you mad? Are you angry? Are you frustrated? Mom, you don't know how you feel. And you're feeling all of that at the same time. And it was, I gave him permission. I said, it's okay. And then one by one, they all started like breaking down. And we had this huge moment where the four of us sat there and their dad gave him permission to be like to feel to be human and didn't say they didn't try to fill it full of bullshit it's like i allowed them in that space to be in that space and let them know that they were accepted and that those feelings were okay they weren't broken and allowing that space dude that was one of the huge healing points for me it allowed me to heal going through something pretty traumatic myself is forgiveness self-forgiveness you know as adults we we hold on to so many things and it's we don't even know what we need to forgive ourselves for we hold on to everything and it's like, forgive yourself. I don't know what for what, but be okay with who you are and allow others to be okay with who they are. And you see things a lot different. Yeah. It's um, that forgiveness piece is, is, is essential. And, and it's not just uh, when you fuck up at the moment and, you know, make amends. Absolutely. But it's going back through the stuff that you did before those demons that you struggle with, that we all struggle with the traumas and whatnot and, and forgive ourselves and the fact that we allowed it to happen, that we chose that for a reason, whatever the yep. experience is and move beyond that. When we can heal that within ourselves, we recognize that it doesn't identify who we are, but it, it identifies that because of that, that's who we are today. And we can either choose to live in the past or we can look at it, forgive it and live and live now in the present, you know? Um, well, did we is, all make mistakes? I, I, I put it like this, dude. We all make mistakes. Every one of us makes mistakes. Those mistakes don't make us who we are. We're not bad people. We made a bad decision. That was a moment in time. But when we can realize that at any given time, if I made a mistake right before I got on this call, I can still get through that. That doesn't have to define who I am. And the more I hold on to those things, the harder it is. So bad decisions don't make bad people. They were bad moments in time. And, you know, we can even philosophically on another, you know, some other time go through even is what is bad and good? Are those just words that we constructs we put on ourselves, right? There's no good or bad, right? Just I try is. to do stuff that makes me feel, you know, just is, man. There always is, there always will be. I try to live in a space where I only do things that make me feel good. And if I do stuff that I don't want to do, that means I'm not doing the right thing. And it's taken me 44 years to get to that point where I only do things that I, that, that bring me joy. I don't do things that don't. That's, um. That, that's the concept of self-dominion of if don't do, don't do things that don't make you feel if you know, do the things that only make you feel good and, and have the courage to only do the things that make you feel good. The things that don't make you feel good. That means removing certain people from your life. It means you stop those relationships, even if it means walking away from your parents, you know, whatever that is, but looking at it and going, Hmm, I'm going to choose different right? And forgiving yourself for the fact that you chose it up to a certain point. But when you have that awareness of, 
I, I can, I'm willing to do things for myself that make me feel good. Life shifts completely, shifts completely. And then it gets, then you get to pour that out amongst other people and share that with other people. And it's contagious. Yep. It is contagious. That's true. This is good stuff. So Kobe, talk to me a little bit more. Let's wrap this up. Um, what's next? What, what's next for you? What's next for the organization? And um, bring it home. You know, the goal and the objective is to change the trajectory of one, you know, one person's life every day. Like that, that's my personal message or that's my personal mission and message is if I can impact one person's life every day in a positive, in some kind of positive light, then my, my time on this planet was worth it. For us right now, what we're doing and what we're focused on is, you know, we're, we're doing a documentary series. There's eight of them. Uh, we self-fund the entire thing and it's just our journey traveling across the U.S., you know, filming. Uh, the biggest thing that I could say to do is if anybody you know, if you've got kids or you know anybody that's under the age of 18, just, just give them a call and tell them you love them, put your arms around them, and, and let them know it's a, that you believe in them and they're okay. You know, we don't need anything personally as an organization, man. It's, you know, if you go to lifeworthlivingtoday.org, you can see kind of what we're doing. You can follow along. Um, we took a little bit of a hiatus because we're self-funded, so you know, we, I, we still have bills in our family. So, um, you know, there's, there's stuff behind the scenes, like business stuff that we do. Um, we have a baby coming up, you know, so that's, um, that's exciting. And, um, I'm getting ready to get in the car and go to Arizona, pick up my other kids. And we're gonna spend a couple of weeks getting away from this, uh, coronavirus thing. And that's it, man. That's, uh, that's next. So I would say if there's one call to action, my call to action would be find somebody that you're thinking of or somebody that you think is of a need. It doesn't matter their age, um, shoot them a text or you know, shoot them a text them you love them that you're thinking about them or call them. Could be a mom, could be, you know, your brother, could be your, I don't know, somebody close to you that you haven't talked to in a while. Give somebody that you, that means somebody to you something, call them and tell them that they mean something to you. Good stuff. You heard it right there, folks. You want to have an impact? Pick one. Start with one. Move it into two. Start with one a day. One, one a day. Go make an impact on somebody's life. Let them know that they matter. Let them know that you're thinking about them because, God knows we need more of that in this world. So, brother, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Uh, and until next time, go out there and incorporate your own superpowers. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.